millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. And welcome to the Money in the Bank review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by one of the Dadly Boys, Michael Hamflet from What Culture, to discuss everything that just happened at Money in the Bank. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts where we not only review Raw and SmackDown, but also NXT, AW Dynamite. Pay-per-views, we have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a roundup of the week, complete with a bloody good quiz, of course, on WrestleCulture. As I said, I'm joined by Michael Hamlet to review Money in the Bank. You can probably tell I'm not at home because of my booming voice, getting very excited about the return of John Cena and Nikki A-S-H, Nikki Ash, Nikki Cross, whatever you want to call her, and big bloody E, Michael Hamlet, being Mr. and Mrs. or Ms. and Ms. They have the money in the bank holders. What do you think of the whole pay-per-view, though? Good. I want to shout a great deal louder than I'm allowed about Big E in particular, winning that briefcase, because I felt it. God damn it, I felt it. I want to apologise for everybody listening to this podcast and having to tweet their volume every single time we volley our thoughts to one another, because I wish I could share in your louder excitement. This was um, was a decent show, elevated by a crowd. It was. I'm not going to suggest this was like a Hall of Famer night, but they delivered like a major, major surprise. Um, no real duffers on the card and like some stuff that was actively pretty great. So like a really, really nice time made better by a live crowd. And that's what live crowds are supposed to do. I don't have too many complaints mm. like off the top. Very surprised. Let's start. Let's dive straight into it, mate. Let's start on the kickoff because I think... We didn't have chance, obviously, on our preview. I think they waited till a minute after we'd started or finished recording to announce that the Mysterios were going to be defending those SmackDown tag titles against the Usos. But even if we had, I sense we'd have said, well, they ain't changing hands on the kickoff show and they're going to just use this to further the storyline of them needing Roman's help. And in reality, it's not the case. The Usos are your new SmackDown tag team champions once again, using shenanigans to defeat the Mysterios. And there wasn't even a Mysterio dad attack to compensate for that on the kickoff pamphlet. We'll get it one day, mate. We'll get it one day. Maybe it wasn't meant to be this time because we were there to preview it, perhaps. I don't know. Um, yeah, it was interesting. This It was, um, I suppose, one of the more enviable spots of the night, this, because this was going to be the first major match in front of this paying pay-per-view crowd, a hot pay-per-view crowd as well. Um, so the Usos and the Mysterios probably didn't mind being on the kickoff, knowing what that position represented tonight of all nights. Um, and they were great at paying off. 
as sure as the sun rises and sets the ESO and never miss on the kickoff. Um, they should probably be never relegated to this spot ever again. But this was really enjoyable, really enjoyable. Um, Dominic took a particularly nasty beating, which I think spoke to where he is in the pecking order at the moment and this idea that bully heels will want to try and isolate him and pick him apart in front of his dad, no less, to cause physical and emotional damage. The Usos are at this point in their run where they're both skewing villain in order to satisfy the needs of Roman Reigns. So I thought that was nice. Um, great finish. You had like, you were able to use the family ties between the two sides for the best possible outcome. Ray is indisposed. So his son is left for the Sharks. But then all of a sudden he get manages to make the save. And then uh, Jimmy is forced to take a bullet for Jay. But then Jay couldn't finish J- uh, Ray until Jimmy was back in the fold, helping him out, you know? Like this was a family affair and it was about just who knew each other better on the night and it fell to the more experienced of the two in-ring duels at least. Um, so pretty great this. I, I can't decide as well. This might be a generous take. If It's actually really smart that this was a kickoff match because Roman is there calling him main event Jay mm. and he hasn't even made it onto the pay-per-view. Is that a nice nod is that like a nice bit of writing or is that a generous bit of analysis from me i'm not sure because this felt every bit like the kind of tried and true wwe kickoff tag match but it's funny that they were celebrating with roman patting him on the back look what i've done to elevate you to exactly where you've been for the last 10 years like Mm -hmm. i thought that was you know quite a, a cute wrinkle to the story that if and when they want to revisit it jimmy's got his proofs to jay that roman's done nothing for you in this time other than beat you up and abuse you. So I thought that was like quite a nice touch that they revisited that later on. Good. This like thoroughly entertaining. I wasn't doing backflips for other things that I was on the show, but it was, it was nice. And a few complaints. Yeah, exactly. And uh, maybe a nice sort of touch where the referees off the back of what happened on SmackDown looking for a uh, holding of the tights. And that obscures his view of the Usos foot on the other Usos back to, to help with the pinfall. But nevertheless, yeah, the Usos are your new SmackDown tag team champions. And like you said, that was a reference later on in the show with a backstage segment of us, them saying, look at all of us, eh? What are we like? And uh, <laughs> Roman Reigns going, well, you know, you, you, you've just got here. So let's, let's not, you know, celebrate too hard just yet. Uh, draped in all the gold. Well, they're silver, so that's not... Anyway, um, let's start on the main card with the women's Money in the Bank ladder match. For a match that went pretty much the same length as long as the men's, it didn't have a great deal to write home about in this match. We all knew the focus was going to be on Alexa Bliss Hamlet. It was for, for everyone's entrance, it seems. And then... I'm really hopeful off the back of this. We'll talk about, obviously, Nikki winning the briefcase in a second. But I'm hopeful at least in part off the back of this, that WWE will recognise fans ain't into this. Like the moment where she was hypnotising Zelina Vega or trying to summon the briefcase down with her powers, it was quite loudly rejected. Um, but what did you think of that? And, and what did you make of Nikki just going, well, if everyone's going to stand at the top of these ladders fighting, I'll just climb past you and get the briefcase. Yeah, so I thought the finish was pretty great, actually. Um, I, I still don't really know what to make of... Nikki Ash, Nikki A-H-S, however we're supposed to like name her. I don't know if um, it's particularly, I don't know, much of a superhero move to almost like sneaking through something of a back door. If you can have a back door and a ladder match, I don't know. But I don't know if it's like that kind of, or if it's actually really smart. And that's the whole point of this character. 
that she's realised she's just decided to go all in on embodying something that she knows fundamentally is a bit daft, but she believes in. And when she believes in herself, she can achieve anything. And that's just what she's done here. I, I don't know. Like, I, 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 but I liked it. I like the, um, there's so many contrivances often in ladder matches and there's so many ladder matches as well. So there was almost something quite unique about this finish being so simple. Mm. We've been like force fed a billion ladder matches over the last couple of years. And I haven't seen this finish in any of them. So kudos for them for coming up with that. Yeah, otherwise it kind of felt dominated by the Alexa spots. And it, this wasn't without other stuff going on as well. Um, Tamina remains one of the more over wrestlers in front of live crowds in WWE mm. in 2021, which is an odd phenomenon. Um, Liv Morgan's selling was fantastic. Um, I completely bought that she was legit injured and I was on the hook for her trying to reach the briefcase down a couple of times. I love those fingertips teases with Liv Morgan. I think that maybe um, implies, I mean, it's WB, it's the SmackDown Women's Division, but it maybe implies that they've actually got plans for her beyond mm-hmm. needing a briefcase, you know, like that she is indeed going to be elevated over the, the sort of the last summer months into a possible challenger. But then, yeah, it's really hard to look past the Alexa Bliss stuff, really hard, literally in the case of Zelina Vega, who you would think, considering a marital home, she's pretty used to spooky wrestling bollocks. So <laughs> I'd, have, I'd have thought she'd have been kind of like immunised against that sort of thing now, but aye, that wasn't ideal. It was rejected. You're right. That was the word. It was rejected. Um, and it didn't, it just didn't land, you know, like it, the live, unfortunately, without chooseyournoise.wav, WWE didn't have control over the responses to the stuff and none of it went down well. And the, Counter to Alexa Bliss's magical powers, don't get any less stupid. She can hypnotise people up a ladder. She can will the briefcase down with her mind. We'll just bury her in metal. <laughs> like how, how's that? Like, it's it's no different to... It's, you know, really contextually, it's no different to Randy Orton beating the, the burned alive man with a, an RKO. It, it really mm. isn't. Like, the, you, you, the rules of that universe they tried to establish don't make sense. I'm sure a bunch of perverts got the kicks slowing down the footage of her ripping away the bin bag outfit to reveal her old gear. Uh, I don't know. Like, I don't know what there is left for this character. I, I don't think they'll be tired of her. I mm. thought the, it was telling that every entrance kept cutting back to her. Yeah. She was in that position and it would cut back to Alexa Bliss not responding. Then somebody else comes out and then there's Alexa Bliss not responding. She's obviously still a focused player. And the thing is, she is over. It's a really confusing one. People were very, very keen to see her, Alexa Bliss. But as soon as the magic powers were bust out, I like booze, groans, all that kind of stuff. So I don't know how they're going to kind of navigate themselves out of this now that this is going to be the norm again. Yeah, the, the finish sort of took me by surprise because I thought when she got buried under the ladder, she was either going to burst out or appear in a different outfit. I, yeah, I don't know how they were going to get around all that. Uh, but obviously also when you see people just scrapping at the top of a ladder... You expect, you know, one ladder to get sent one way, one ladder to get sent another, or, you know, whatever it may be. Uh, and then, yeah, Nikki just went, excuse me, and grabbed a briefcase. So, fair enough. Intriguing to see where they go next with that. We'll, uh, we'll follow that up on the Raw preview with myself and Michael Sidgwick in, well, in a few hours' time. Uh, and more, move on and talk about the uh, Raw tag team title match. AJ Styles and almost defending against the Viking Raiders. I said this on our What Went Down at Hamflirt. And it sounded like a backhander compliment, but this was a raw match. But it was always going to be a raw match. This was a match that got hoid on the pay per view because they lost Bianca Belair versus Bailey in an I Quit match, and they had to, you know, add more time to it. So 
they put this match on there. It didn't need to be any more complicated than it was. They still did some enjoyable stuff. Eric and Ivar are still, you know, it's shockingly agile. Ivar always gets their, you know, the letters written home about it. But Eric is is just a really great performer. And uh, his knees looked brutal to, to take uh, AJ Styles and almost down to a, to at least to a le- least to a knee. But I think all of us knew going into this that the Raw tag titles were never going to change hands, were they? No. Um, and I don't know how this match probably more than most um, might have been impacted by our different viewing experiences. You know, you've said before that you don't get to really take in all of the sound when you're doing the stream. Um, and yeah, this was really tricky. There's going to be more matches, I think, in WWE than AEW in terms of transitioning out of the pandemic era back into the normal one, where there's going to have to be a learning curve. WWE just flatly refused to deviate from their tag team formula which is heels get loads of heat, baby faces make a comeback, and then you head to the finish. Like that's just, you know, baby faces start hot as well. That's the other element of that. It's been the formula for ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. But the problem was, if there were really baby faces in this match, it was the champions. It was AJ and Omos. The fans were interested in, fundamentally, really in the heart, interested in one wrestler, and that was AJ Styles. They took to him like a star. He got the biggest pop of all of the wrestlers. And they wanted to see almost do giant man stuff. Hmm. And they got that in the form of some of this, but it was Ivar, I believe that he did the like Ric Flair corner throw too, which looked incredible, you know, like a virtual press slam. Mm. It was Ivar, wasn't it? And, you know, like the, the almost assisted hurricane Rana at the outside stuff like that it was like really cool. You're getting big man stuff here, but AJ was the guy that they were there to see because he's actually a star. And um, there was a point where one of the Viking Raiders kind of turned to the fans with the big, we're in a raid or whatever it was he was saying. And it got that like John Cena, Randy Orton, Royal Rumble standoff crickets. <laughs> and it was like, oh, it's not your night. So then you've got this match that's taking place in reverse because the comebacks are being met with silence until the heels do another cutoff. And then it's like, yeah, the heels are back in charge. And it really knackers the dynamic. And what you're watching is just a series of spots generating reactions rather than a match that you can really sink your teeth into. I think it was also, you, you know, you point this out, this was a raw match until it wasn't. But problem was, you know, as much as, you know, we might like the Viking Raiders and it's been a fairly basic and solid build to this match. It wasn't just the clips of their feud with the Street Profits from last year that served as a reminder that it's been a long time since the Viking Raiders were a a topical concern they're a long way short of feeling like credible champions and unfortunately that kind of made them feel a long way short of being credible challengers too there were some nice things to look at in this match but i don't think as a whole it worked mm. um and it was the first point and i include smackdown in this where there was a, a little bit of a creeping sense of boredom mm-hmm. um and wwe again need to work to avoid that for as long as possible with live crowds like, it's Raw tomorrow night. They've got to try and get through an entire Raw where the fans don't tire. And it was slightly alarming that only the second match on the card <laughs> just felt like I was a little bit of a, I think I might take my toilet break now. So, yeah, it, I think this is going to be the case with a few things. Like, WWE would have just found this easy. They would have just pressed boo and pressed cheer when it made sense for them. They can't just age at matches exactly how they want and guarantee these reactions from fans, even though fans are proving themselves hot for a lot of it. They're not going to guarantee you'd be hot for everything what followed was a match that got a great deal of heat but the right heat in my opinion um 
the stop, stop, it's he's already dead award goes to okay. Kofi Kingston in this match. Because we're going into this, Phil and I talked about it on the stream as well. We'd set up, I tell you what, they've been doing some bad stuff on Raw for the last, well, how, how far, how long have you got? But they've built this really well. And that two count when Kofi gets that trouble in paradise or whatever is going to be great. And they swerved us. Bobby Lashley murked him for the majority of the seven and a half minutes that, that this match was. Dominator after dominator after dominator. And there's a couple of hurt locks in there. And my word, if you want to reestablish him as the threat that he is going towards a match with, let's just say, a generic big guy, this was the match, wasn't it? Absolutely, yeah. Um, I think on the preview, I alluded to this maybe being an elongated version of the Brock Lesnar match. Um, they sold you something on Monday brilliantly. They sold you a raging and rattled Bobby Lashley. He was both those things, and it was destined to be a toxic cocktail for Kofi. Indeed, we they might have decided to give you the hope spot at one because the trouble in paradise is perfect as well, isn't it? Because it's, it's almost like a glancing blow from nowhere. Like Kofi could have just had like one last power up. He floors Bobby. He can't even make the cover. He drips an arm and then he only gets two or something like that. And they didn't even really feel the need to give him that. Um, they were loyal, first and foremost, to the Bobby Lashley character they'd honed earlier this week. And you had the perfect physical declaration of that. Um, Kofi, in his defence, sorry, in, in support of his work in this match, just brilliantly shaped his body as a man being chucked around mm-hmm. by a bigger man. The second dominator... Like, I don't know how he made his body so loose mm. and limp looking, but he was just like, you know, sometimes wrestlers go splat and it's as if their skin starts to melt and just form like a paste with the canvas itself. <laughs> it, it was really quite beautiful to look at, um, but it was, he was just amazing in the role. Um, they did a really good job of uh, like using the build, which had been good, which had been probably Raw's best built feud of the year. They used the build. In, sit, in sort of combination with the sights and sounds of Kofi Mania and all those lovely memories to like create a sense that Kofi was here to play and that Kofi wasn't here to be ragdolled. And even in the way that he was going to the corners at the start of the match, you're like, oh, they're going to they're gonna tease the dream again. You know, they, this is going to be really thrilling. And then to pull the rug so quickly and just have, oh no, it is that he's raging and rattled and he's a bit embarrassed and he's going to take it out. It was just so great. I just thought it was super effective. A real commitment to Bobby Lashley as champion. Um, He has held the belt for perhaps longer than you'd think because, again, the Thunderdome sort of is a pause on all space and time. But he's had that belt since, what, like just after Elimination Chamber? Like he's amassing a decent run now. And yet, in a way, this kind of felt like the proper start of it. So I kind of I kind of hope it is Goldberg at SummerSlam because I want to see him back to Goldberg too. Mm. Like a lot, I've seen a lot of like pushback to Goldberg getting anywhere near this belt and this big match at SummerSlam. I want to watch it. They're just bulls, man. Let them run at each other. And Goldberg's not winning, is he? No. So I, I think I think Goldberg losing to Drew was kind of effective for Drew at SummerSlam, and I think he could be just as useful for for Bobby as well in this kind of form. This was good, really, really like good economical battering of a nice man felt a bit guilty at the end to be like well at least he had the nice skeletal themed gear i suppose yeah i did like that and i I want to say like we're always very keen to put over um the new day for their attires um but if it's not 
if it's not a detail that I spotted during the match itself, why on earth was Big E not in E-Man gear to go along with oh. Skeleton? So I haven't had a proper chance to investigate this yet and shout out in advance to Jonathan Davenport for whatever he's done because they both looked swish. Oh, yeah. Um, but I, I look forward to trying to be, make out the words on Big E's gear to the next day because if it remotely relates to being the master of the WWE universe, they've played another blinder. Oh. Speculation. Just speculation on my part. Speculation. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Right. I'd love to know what your thoughts are on the match that came next, because we have, you know, poo-pooed, understandably, justifiably, uh, what has preceded this match between Rhea Ripley and Charlotte Flair for the Raw Women's Championship. And yet... Cross chop, crotch chops and bird flipping aside, I thought this was one of the matches of the night. I, I don't know what you, what, you, what you thought about it, how the crowd really received it, but Phil and I thought they just beat the crap out of each other. And I suppose if you're going to transition the belt back onto someone like Charlotte Flair, the way you do it is you do what they did to Rhea Ripley at the end here. Yeah, it's, it's really important to stress that this match was awesome and this feud is still the worst thing we have done all year. It's like people have to know that there's nuance to these discussions and both those things can be true simultaneously. Charlotte Flair versus Rhea Ripley has been the worst feud of the year. Um, WWE, as usual, is rewarded by the excellence of some of its professional wrestlers, um, especially of a Sunday night. We've covered countless pay-per-views, especially in the last 12 months, where it's felt that way, where it's felt as if the wrestlers have dragged bad television, kicking and screaming over the line on a Sunday. And this was one of the great hall jobs of our time. One of the great, these these didn't need to carry each other. They needed to carry about three months of a minging angle. And again, I don't know how your viewing was impacted, but I don't know if you could see how pissed off Charlotte and Rhea looked with the audience, mm. but it was because they were booing both of them. And it was because they were chanting Becky Lynch. Remember, um, the last time they used to thought in the Thunderdome and they, they couldn't decide what sound to create for them. <laughs> so they created confused muffled.wav, 
Well, it happened for real. The fans didn't know who to boo, didn't know who to cheer, and then just started cheering for Becky Lynch instead. Both wrestlers looked rattled, for the want of a better phrase, rattled by it. Charlotte flipped them off. Rhea, Rhea did a face that will probably be memed tomorrow. It wasn't feeling ideal. You were a bit like, oh, God, WWE's back. It's taken one show. Like this, this <laughs> difficult relationship that they've now got is uh, is back. But they just worked through it. Charlotte and Rhea worked through it. They had a plan. They believed in their story. They wrestled with commitment to the story. Story being Rhea believed herself to be in Charlotte's head and thus played to that and wrestled with a confidence that she's never had in such a big match, big fight feel, I guess. I guess what they wanted you to do, you know how like last month it was about erasing beat the clock? This match felt like it was about erasing everything apart from WrestleMania 36. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, like it was wrestled as if nothing has existed since WrestleMania 36. Um, and it was all the better for it. Uh, Charlotte's best match by a billion, million miles since her return late last year. Like yeah. this was the Charlotte Flair of old. Don't know where she's been. Maybe she just didn't like feel it in the Thunderdome. Can't really fault her for that either. Um, Rhea Ripley looked a monster losing in defeat compared to the scared, like inexperienced young challenger almost that like lost as the champion at WrestleMania 36. So like a stark contrast to the ways in which she lost from here to WrestleMania. And like, I don't want to like pat myself on the back, but I think I called this in our preview, didn't I? Mm-hmm. I think I kind of said, actually, I think the natural ending for this weird story is Charlotte winning. And it felt right on the night. I think had Rhea won by the end, it wouldn't have felt like the correct conclusion. It was, this was Charlotte's belt for the taking. They arrived at like an epic feeling near fall with that natural selection. A little bit too much Shawn Michaels in the terms of the, oh my God, what has she had to do? Emotional crossroads stuff. I want a 10 car pilot at that emotional crossroads so they have to close that road forever. But <laughs> in the meantime, I guess we're going to still get a lot of hands staring. But yeah, the two count off the corner natural selection, like the like the audience was so apoplectic, it was almost like apologetic. It was almost, we're really sorry we sh- on this in the first five minutes yeah. because these two have come to play and now we want to be a part of this, please. And the wrestlers let them in and let them into the story. Let me in. And yeah, like that, the moment she'd locked in and bridged that figure eight and you just know what that means, that it's inescapable. Nobody has yet got out of it and it blatantly wasn't going to be Rhea's night. It felt right. It felt like, like the perfect conclusion to a class pro wrestling match. Mm. I I hate that WWE have got this formula because it allows a lot of um, misunderstood, shall we say, opinions to breathe of, huh, uh, shut the critics up. It won't because it's really bad every week. The churn Mm. is minging, but the best wrestlers can wrestle the best matches and it gets them out of jail over and over again. Yeah. This was this was tremendous. Honestly, this was really, really good. This probably was the match of the night, actually. I think I like the ladder, the men's ladder match, which we were about to get to, was fantastic. But the it's a bit of an apples and orange comparisons. This was the what like I'll take a straight singles match any day of the week. This was the match of the night. Rhea Rippling Charlotte Flair at him. <laughs> like WWE continues to confound. Yeah, it was just because Phil and I were sat there going, oh bloody, there we go. Right. Well, let's just get on with this. And we had the chewy chuck. We had our sweets ready to throw and catch in on. <laughs> and we were like, oh, hang on, what's happened here? Oh, I think she's flipping off the crowd. Oh, God, those ch- chops are a bit hard. Oh, my God, there's a, a top rope natural selection. And then, like you say, they just 
batted each other. Charlotte Flair just rolling back the years, like you say, that moonsault picture perfect as always as it was. Rhea Ripley just going toe-to-toe with her. And then the bit where Charlotte, I can't remember exactly what was being gone for, but Charlotte was supposedly, at least was meant to clip the back of her head on the, the turnbuckle. Quite happy that she didn't, to be honest. I always think those spots are a bit, ooh. And then Rhea's reaching through and Charlotte, the noise, just slammed her head against the uh, the ring post, traps her leg uh, in between the post and the stairs, stomps on it yeah. four times. And then, yeah, like you say, once she put the figure eight on, it wasn't like, oh, I wonder if she's going to make the ropes. It was just a matter of time of Rhea Ripley bargaining with herself of like, well, I think I'm going to have to tap here. And now that opens the door again, WWE, to go, well, that's twice now that I've taken a title off you, so you've submitted to me, blah, blah, blah. Let's ignore everything that's gone before this. Who knows what's happening next, whether Becky Lynch can be involved like the audience wanted or what. But you can just go back to that story that has been the open goal from the moment these two got together in a ring and tell it again now if you wanted to. I probably wouldn't do it immediately, but... There's definitely scope for it. But let's talk about that men's money in the bank ladder match because I'm inevitably, I already realised, I think in what went down, I haven't mentioned the 3MB match that we're heading towards and I'm already annoyed at myself. But so much stuff happened in this match, whether it be uh, Shinsuke Nakamura eating a drip stick as he's about to grab the, 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 uh, the briefcase. The bit beforehand, I didn't even mention that on what went down, with Rick Boogs and Riddle and Nakamura and Kevin Owens just going, what the you knobheads do? <laughs> just great stuff that I had me rolling around. Um, Ricochet just just going, do you remember when I was mint in NXT? That's and everywhere else. Just reminding us that bit where he jumps off the ladder, lands on the top rope, and the height he got on that flip to the outside was just bonkers. Seth Rollins teaming up and then turning on John Morrison, as we expected, Riddle hitting everyone with uh, with RKO's left, right, and centre for his fallen comrade, or I don't know, just not been around, I suppose. not. He's not dead. He's not dead. There's somewhere here, Matt. Um, but... I say Matt to Matt Riddle. Not I'm not that tired. I know I'm talking to Michael Hamflet, by the way. I'm, in a, I'm really not tired. I think coming back to the office has been on, done me the world of good. I've got to be honest. Um, two, yes, Drew McIntyre. You, you, you say not tired like my kids say not tired. And later on, as soon as you get in the house, you're just going to absolutely cry. I'm not even tired. <sighs> well, yeah, probably quite possibly. But uh, Shanky and Veer, their genders heavies. They took out Drew McIntyre. <laughs> And, oh, my God, Biggie, oh, just before we get there, because I, I don't want to forget to mention this, bumped by Kevin Owens, the power bump to the outside and the ladder breaking in the worst possible area for him to land right on his neck. Fingers crossed he's okay. Uh, no reports coming out as far as I've seen that he's, he's suffered any serious injury, but worrying time seeing that. So, yes, Biggie hitting a big ending off a ladder, and grabbing that briefcase, Big E is Mr. Money in the goddamn bank. He's he's Mr. Big E in the bank, to use your own phrase again, Stu. Yeah, thanks very much for that. Um, our best friend holding the golden ticket, eh? What a time to be alive. I, yeah, felt a lot for that, as I think everybody else did. Um, like, Let's cover that first so we don't like undersell it. The... The feeling shared by the fan base at large when Biggie grabbed that briefcase was one that made you so 
pleased that the company had the foresight to save this for the return of a crowd. Every shot was better than the last. Every close-up found his face, that beautiful face of his, just filling with more and more joy. And then the camera would cut back to some fans that were going wild and then it would cut back to him and he would be kind of like grasping it tightly and almost looking a bit introspective atop that ladder. And then it would go back to another popping section of the fan base. And then it would cut to where he's on the corner, like pointing at the briefcase, I've got it, I've got it now. And then you would get this gorgeous sweeping vista of a full crowd where they don't even need to obscure the hard camera side because there's people in those seats too. It was just, it was the perfect time and place to do something that you should have done a lot of years ago, Mm. which was acknowledge the need to elevate Big E like such a tremendous all-rounder, a hard worker, a guy that knows his worth, everything you want in a wrestler, everything like a guy that has followed his instincts over and over again, and they've been right over and over again, as with all the members of the New Day. Um, it's it's going to feel as good, if not better, than Kofi Mania, I think, in mm-hmm. terms of New Day guys getting a singles elevation. Uh and it just happened in such a pleasing manner as well. Like the, he ultimately was smart and athletic as a babyface victor in a match like this. So that like there was there was no sort of sense. You know that sometimes when like you do want to see somebody win the briefcase, but there's an air of there's a, a slight smattering of booze in the crowd as a babyface climbs because there was maybe somebody else that was a sentimental favourite. They saved it until the very last moment to test for definite that Big E was the sentimental favourite. And he absolutely was a sentimental favourite. Mm. It was as he climbed and that, that lovely moment where all of us as a fan base collectively realised, he started doing the arithmetic of, of bodies, basically. Mm, yeah. so where's, where's so-and-so's? Where's so-and-so? And can he come back in? Can he come back in? And you're realising, no, no, they can't. No, they can't. And then it's one more step up the rung and so-and-so. Like that perfect delivery of that when it's the right guy is something so unique to Money in the Bank because of the stakes of the stipulation. And it just nailed it. It absolutely nailed it. And a great, like just a phenomenal last three or four minutes to boot that arrived at that point as well. As you've kind of discussed really, all the, like the in-character stuff like Riddle with the RKOs, like um, Nakamura existing mostly to take a drip stick in the face from John Morrison. Quick mo- quick mention of that exchange you had with Riddle because that was jaw-dropping. Oh, absolutely tremendous. I think that was all I asked of Nakamura on the preview was to try, just to try. And he tried with what he wore. Those white trousers looked absolutely amazing. Um, and then, yeah, the, the exchange with Riddle was fantastic. Um, I liked the Drew thing because the audience, where it's happened, hasn't it? Drew Reigns is here. Uh, he got booed in the promo that he cut until he mentioned the death of the Thunderdome. And then he came out and he got the, the dreaded mixed response and that didn't disappear. He got booed when he climbed the ladder. So him getting taken out was the best case scenario because you didn't want to have that sense of anxiety around something that was booked to be nice and giving for a change. I, I mean, Drew versus Ginger Summers, I was going to stink, but we are where we are with that. Um, like I, I almost can't believe they're doing it, but then I completely can as well. Um, They'll do I, the match that Elias had where he got electrocuted by a wooden guitar because three yeah, MB match. That'll do. I'll take that. Yeah. Like uh, just what's the um, what's the the name they give to that match where everybody always gets injured when you have musical instruments? Simply uh, destruction. That one, yep. Yeah. That's it. Ginger can go back on the shelf for another year. The poor sod when he takes a bump off a piano. <laughs> or um, I the, the ricochet moments were great because, well, because when you can agent ricochet in the ladder match, that's exactly what you should do with him. Um, I loved a little detail, but like so the obviously the you know the the springboard 
um, 450 into the crowd of people or whatever it was. It was absolutely amazing. The fact he didn't sell that like the rest of them and was able to get back in the ring and immediately re-enter the fray was so thrilling. Mm. It's like, yes, that's your offensive move that only an athlete like you can do. Great that he was booked to just get back in there and he was there for the next thing. The tightrope walk he did was like, like I'm going to put this out there. I think it was better than Ray Phoenix's because Phoenix likes to rush. And as a result, there's always that little like nervousness that a foot's going to just mm. veer a little bit along the way. Ricochet was almost doing like a catwalk. <laughs> like you kind of just... We said, we said, we saw it and we were, you can't jump from there. You're going to mess this up. You're too far yeah. away. And he walked and we went, oh, that yeah, that's that makes sense. Like it was just... Made it look like he was on a like a six foot wide plank or something, didn't he? And there was no balance issues. There was no nothing. That was just a path to him. Um, he's a superhuman. I, I didn't get the vibes like I did with Liv Morgan that I felt there was maybe something to get excited from after the fact. Mm. Like back to catering tomorrow, probably. But a nice night all the same for Ricochet fans if there are any left because it was it's just you've got this guy that should be on billions of billions of dollars and making you even more and it isn't happening so it was nice for him too yeah like really really tremendous hope kevin owens is all right um don't need another ladder match for the rest of this year honest quite honestly but if you're into this sort of thing like one of the best in years Mm. let's talk about the main event then roman reigns versus edge for the universal championship it was a match that they milked for all it was worth. And I quite appreciate that, especially with the who's the bitch now line from, <laughs> from Roman Reigns quite, quite early on. I suppose the, the not necessarily unfortunate because it's building to what happens next for both men, but this match is going to be overshadowed by what happened towards the end and what happened immediately afterwards, won't it? Yes, and I don't think that's the worst thing in the world that it is. Um, I sense that this match is going to divide opinion in much the same way Drew and Roman did at the Survivor Series. If you remember how like things like opinions are fairly divided on that one, that kind of like that main event feeling match that to some, myself included, truthfully, didn't really live up to the expectations. I found that this was good, politely good, um, but it dragged a bit of points. I thought they... I thought they lost the crowd a couple of times, mm-hmm. which was an interesting sensation to have for the first time, I guess, since like, I get the, the AJ match didn't lose the crowd. The crowd just were invested in a completely different story to the one the wrestlers were telling. Mm-hmm. Here, it was almost as if like, right, you, you can't have, there was, a, there was a slight Randy Orton quality to this. Like it was like, oh, you can have your break, you can switch off for a couple of minutes. Roman's going to jaw Jack while he puts Edge in a headlock. And either commentators are going to talk about head of the table and tribal chief and acknowledge me and all that. But like, if you're just in the arena, they're just lying down. Like the tall men, the tall men being horizontal instead of being vertical. Mm-hmm. And that's not quite a good experience. Loads of it was good. Loads of it was really good. Um, I liked a lot how they quite naturally, as far as WWE goes, worked to the chair spot. Like mm-hmm. I, I thought the Charles Robinson bump I, I slagged that off immediately and then saw it in the replay and went, actually, that's some really good stuff what they've done there. Yeah, I thought it was I thought it was fairly organic to get to the point where you knew they were going to use the chair. And I was glad that Roman introduced it because it's it would have been like, it was weird that they were teasing it yeah. when it wasn't like an ODQ. So if Edge was going to use a chair, like, oh, I've got, I've got this thing, Roman, that's going to stop you. 
that's how I'm going to win. It's like, you can't win like that. So I love that it was Roman that felt like his ego had been tested and his, he was like, that was an insecure choice of Roman's to bring that into the match and then for Edge to put it back on him and make him suffer and endure. I thought the um, the layout of the Usos and the Mysterios was really nice because the pop for the Mysterios making the save was huge. Like, mm. yeah, we called the finish almost exactly. That like Seth would find the gap of the Usos Mysterios running and be the difference maker. And, and ultimately he was. Um, but I still thought it played out fantastically well. Like that was good sports entertainment. Like the, if you watch back tomorrow when you kind of got be able to have the volume a little louder, listen to the noise the fans make when they there's those boos dreading the Usos coming in to ruin things, followed by a massive cheer when the Mysterios cut them off before they can even do any damage. Love that Edge had those guys on his side. I love that like baby faces like stick together sometimes and it's not just about mm. people coexisting. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the Seth Roman, Seth and Edge stuff, sorry, was set up well, you know. Um, I saw a few people complaining online on Twitter at the time that Seth got his promo and kind of played his hand a little bit. A little bit like it's WWE, you know, like then they're not masters of subtlety. After the fact, was like I'm going. I'm going to have to do something else. I need. I need to get into. I understand why people are critical of that. I do. I do. I, I'm but not. I, I'm not having that because I. Has I, it not been foreshadowed on television this last few weeks anyway? Though, like they've been telling yeah, that story. I, so. we, I think we knew it was heading. And also, there was a bit of me that thought, well, he said I've got next. So there's a yeah. bit of you that then goes when Edge hits that spear. When Roman Reigns looks like he's going to hit a spear, that you go, it's you know, it's not happening. We all know Roman's not dropping the title anytime soon. But you think. Well, maybe because Edge versus Rollins with the title and Roman versus Cena without a title, they both still work. So I think that, I, yeah, I, I'm very brave, Patrick, to just, you've just lost, has it, for you all? <laughs> How are you doing, Seth? Yeah, the, the I've got next thing. It probably plays to Seth making the second appearance hmm. because what started off as a moment of great frustration for Seth was suddenly a case of, hang on, he's not lost. Well, now I'm just pissed off with Edge. Now it's not about the title. Now it's about Edge. So the second run-in is almost what makes it personal. Yeah. What makes it like a more of a targeted assault. And now you've got your SummerSlam match, obviously, lined up between those two. Um, yeah. I, decent. Like, the, I, the match wasn't great, if I'm honest. I, like, I, I was, they were losing me a bit in the match, but I thought the finishing sequence was pretty much from the moment the ref went down. I thought it was yeah. all very nicely executed and paced for the maximum sort of crowd responses. Again, play to that live audience, which I felt like this did. It was the sort of stuff that like, like, you know, if it was a Thunderdome match, they'd have done that thing where Roman just would have ultimately beaten, beaten, beaten down and beaten down and beat him. And then it's, so the commentators could do the work and the, the Zoom calls could do the thumbs down faces, but it's like, Roman is untouchable. That kind of, kind of like what he did to Rafe in the Hell in a Cell match. Just mm. like, you get your one hope spot, but ultimately this guy's going to crush you. They were more creative here using like this having like more of a lion's den feel and I, and I like that a lot and well like I've seen you yours and Phil's pop on Twitter already and like I feel a bit sad that I couldn't hit my own roof with elation but I got the feeling I got that like that incredible sensation that you get and it took like a millisecond of John Cena's music in and that's the magic, that 2008 Royal Rumble pop all over again, where everybody to a man just forgets themselves and hears that tune and is like, oh, Jesus Christ, it's John Cena. And it doesn't matter what you're thinking 30 seconds later, or it doesn't matter what your views on John Cena versus Roman Reigns are. Isolate 
what your body did independent of your brain in the split second that his music hit and you know apply that to 15,000 people in a building in, in the Dickies Arena in Texas <laughs> and you'll see why this was super effective I, yeah. I, 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 I've, I personally refuse to find any fault with that yeah, it's ironic it's in the Dickies arena because I practically ripped my cock off when that theme hit. <laughs> uh, I think it's absolutely perfect, this. I don't think booing seen as the right thing. I think he's playing the perfect role here. He's, we all, like, from much as what I was saying when people were saying, like, oh, he's not coming back for SummerSlam, look at his filming schedule. Now I turn around and say, yeah, he's not winning the title, look at his filming schedule. Like, that actually makes more sense than, oh, he can't pop back for two weeks or whatever it may be. I know he, by the way, Phil just showed me before he left on his phone, he is opening Raw tonight. So we'll preview that a little bit later on with myself and Michael Cedric on the Raw preview. But um, yeah, it's, it's, it's spot on. He comes back, he immediately inserts himself into the, what is going to be a huge SummerSlam main event. He, it's another scalp for Roman Reigns and he just mugged him off as well. I don't need to go back and forth and oh, I'm going to say this on the mic and I'm going to say that. Roman Reigns is still in the middle of the ring going, oh, I hope everyone now acknowledges me for the, you know, the champ that I am. I'm dominating. No, no one can touch me sort of thing. John Cena comes back and goes, yeah, you can't see me, bollocks to you. I'm in all green. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful end to a pay-per-view that, uh, you know, fans included and stuff. I, I really, really enjoyed yeah, um, I, I, this was the, you knew something was coming. Mm. You knew someone was coming when Roman kind of like was given the the stage at the end. It wasn't going to go off the air. The first pay-per-view back wasn't going to go off the air just with Roman Reigns still some title. They'd promised like a major surprise as well without going as far as to who or what that was. Um, people were really panicked about Goldberg and where exactly he might fit into the SummerSlam picture. And I see no reason why people should feel the same way about John Cena. I'd, I'm saying all this as if there's like, I'm anticipating criticism. I don't know why I am. I like it. The the limited sort of response I saw on Twitter. And by the way, it's great now to not have that as the only barometer. Mm. It's been awesome to not have that as the only barometer. Um, yeah, like sold out building, like went ballistic for it. And it was hard to sit at home and not feel that too. And that's the point, you know, that's the point of all this. John Cena versus Roman Reigns 2 will be 50 times, and I, like, I'm not even banking on this being like an awesome match, mm. but it will be 50 times the match the original was. It will be 100% more effective in establishing Roman as the guy, mm-hmm. which we all anticipate it will do. And like 70,000 people in what is going to look like a WrestleMania with a SummerSlam. It's going to be, you know, the NXT's Great American Bash. They're just going to rebuild the WrestleMania set and slap a SummerSlam sticker over it. That's what, that's what this year's SummerSlam is going to look like. This is the match for it. And like, what a precedent this sets for other matches on that card as well. You've got now, in this main event, you establish two singles matches that are mammoth, that are really big. So what's to say they're not going to be looking for that size and scale for every match on the card? Like, what's to say? This should allow you to believe well, what's Becky Lynch's biggest match? She's going to be in that one. You know, he, what's Charlotte Flair's biggest possible title defence? It's going to be that one. Sasha Bianca too has got to happen and so on. It yeah. like it permits you to, like, it's not fantasy booking, it's reality booking of these major, major matches if they're going this big for the Universal title. Yeah, I think the best summary I can give or the best analysis I can give as we close this up is, yes, I know fans are back, so that kind of skews everything and and, and obviously, you know, just the, the, the whole mood around everything's changed. Uh, it's Freedom Day here in the UK. Mm. <laughs> so there's mm. that too. Um, 
mixed feelings. Mixed feelings. It's freedom. COVID's finished. What's that? <laughs> Our Prime Minister's isolating. Okay, fair enough. Uh, anyway, not to get political, though. The thing I want to say, yeah, is I'm not only looking forward to the next pay-per-view, which you could easily argue I did a few times during the, uh, the pandemic era of uh, WWE. I am genuinely 100% looking forward, not just because of fans, but because I want to see what happens in the storylines, looking forward to Raw and SmackDown this coming yeah. week. And that's that's the best, the most ringing endorsement I can give WWE off the back of this pay-per-view. But let us know your thoughts on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. Well, actually, you can follow both of us. You can follow Michael Hamflit at... Michael Hamflit. Follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at WhatCultureWWE. Uh, and make sure you subscribe to what Culture Wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts, including, well, in a few hours now, basically, myself and Michael Sidgwick looking ahead to Monday Night Raw tonight on the Raw preview. And watch there, subscribing to what Culture Wrestling on iTunes. Leave us a five-star review and suggest something short, crap, and wrestling-related for us to review on the Raw review on Tuesday instead of a god-awful segment, because we all know there's going to be one. Regardless of how good Anyway, this has been the Money in the Bank review. My thanks to Michael Hamlet. Thank you for joining us. Big E is Mr. Money in the Bank. Get in and we will see you soon. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market